The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has added Pick'em Scorchers, where you can win 100 times your money. That's right, turn $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN, Underdog Fantasy, for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. We're also brought to you by Manscaped. Get $20 off and free shipping with the code SGP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code SGP. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And we're also giving away $3,000 in our NFL Second Chance Survivor Contest presented by Corey Pinkston and Barking Dog Properties. Free to enter, just go to sportsgamepockets.com slash survivor. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently Friday afternoon, October 13th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the semifinals in Shanghai. Two pretty competitive matches on paper, which we'll preview in a second. Before we get into any of that, do want to recap how we did in the quarterfinal episode. Unfortunately, not great. Ended up losing the lock and dog picks for the lock. Pretty rough beat for us there. Had Morozin team total over 11 and a half games, and he won the first set 6-4. So it looked like he was going to cruise because either he wins the match and we win automatically, or he just needs six games combined in the final two sets. And he couldn't do it. He got buried in the second set, 6-1 to her catch. Then he lost the third set, 6-3. Point is, Morozin fell apart after the first set and ended up landing with 10 games. So kind of a heartbreaker there where you win a set and you still go under 11.5 on a team total, which is kind of a heartbreaker. But either way, I picked up a loss there. Then for the dog, wasn't close. Had Umber money line. I thought that price was a bit too high after Umber just beat Rublev about a week ago. It turns out it was not because Rublev absolutely buried him. One six two six three. I didn't think Umber was even that bad. I just thought Rublev was that good, and it just seemed like Umber had no answers the entire way through. So anyway, ended up going zero and two on those picks. Before we get into any of the actual previews for the semifinals, I do want to discuss my takeaways from the quarterfinal matches, which will segue us into the match previews. So we're going to start off with the actual matches on Thursday. And you had two very competitive matches. It was really a tale of two days because the Thursday quarterfinals both went to three sets and the Friday matches went in straight sets. Now, the Dimitrov-Jari match was competitive in straight sets. I'll get into that in a second. But you saw two wars in the uh, quarterfinals on Thursday. So I just mentioned a second ago, Morozin lost to Hercatch. Hercatch came back, and he looked very good for the final two sets. But Morozin played relatively well, did lose a couple big points, which he kind of needed. There was one really long 40-plus shot rally in a massive spot, which Hercatch won. And it felt like that kind of swayed the entire match because once Morozin lost that point, it felt like he was physically fried and he might have mentally checked out a little bit. So the point is, her catch ended up coming back from a set down, which was an impressive win by him. Then you had the absolute marathon, which we actually predicted perfectly, where we had Korda to beat Shelton and we liked the over two and a half sets. And that was an absolute war. No way around it. You saw Shelton win the first set 7-6 with a 12 score with a 12-10 score in the tiebreaker. You saw Korda bounce back and win the second set 6-2. Then you ended up seeing Korda win the third set in a tiebreaker 7-6 with an 8-6 uh, score line. Almost a really bad choke job for Korda because Korda led 6-1 in the tiebreaker. So he had five straight match points, 
blew all of them, and then ended up getting the job done in a sixth match point of the tiebreaker. But simply put, it was a very even match, and it just felt like Corda was a little bit more fundamentally sound, and Shelton did hit a couple of ill-advised unforced errors, did a better job with his actual rallying, but Corda just seemed to deal with the slower-paced courts uh, better throughout the course of the match, and Corda did a good job of winning the second serve points, which was the real story of this match, because Shelton only won 41% of the second serve points. Corda won 67%, which is absolutely wild, but that also suggests, once again, what I said previewing that match, which was Corda being a better rallier, and I thought that Shelton would struggle the longer the points got, and he did, and the fact that Shelton was not able to capitalize on some weak second serves from Corda was really the story of the match because Shelton, we know, is a very powerful server, but when you can return the serve, Shelton's at a disadvantage because he's still not the greatest rallier, and the second serve points definitely show that. 67% compared to 41% and ended up going to a third set tiebreak. Tells you you kind of need to know if Shelton did a better job of defending the second serve. He would have won, but he did not as Korda got the job done. Then moving into the Friday matches, you had once again Dimitrov beating Jari. I mentioned it briefly in straight sets. That one we got right. We thought it would be a match that was competitive. Dimitrov would win, but we did a link to the over 22 and a half games, and that ended up getting there with a 7-6-6-4 scoreline. Not really much more to add. Dimitrov just looked like the better player throughout the course of the match. Jari played well, don't get me wrong, but Dimitrov did not face a single break point in the entire match, which was kind of the story of the issues I have with Jari. Now, Jari is a pretty good player who ended up winning us uh, a couple titles, actually, this year because we picked them to win both titles they actually won. So he is a member of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, I'd say, first team, if we were doing rankings for the entire year, because he did us a great service by winning us a decent amount of uh, plus money outrights. But the issue I still have with Jar is the unforced errors. And I just feel like when you're looking at his style of play, he's a big serve guy who takes a lot of ill-advised forehands, kind of like Shelton in a way, who is really just enabled to win matches where he has to hit a bunch of extra shots. And it felt like Dimitrov did a great job of balancing some defensive tennis from behind the baseline with some aggressiveness where he was willing to come to the net and he was willing to end points early when needed, when needed, especially when it came to serving. He had a couple of good opportunities where he would have a nice serve, hit a nice forehand down the line, and then would end up charging the net to end the point quickly. Was very effective throughout, but... Dimitrov ended up winning 80% of the first serve points and about 67% of the second serve points. So he was very solid throughout and once again, did not face a single break point the entire way through. So it just seemed like Jari was up against it and it felt like Jari was really just on the back foot constantly when it came to returning. He had a couple chances where he would unload a forehand and maybe he'd win on a couple of those. But for the most part, he was very risky with some shots, and I can't really blame him because he got desperate since Dimitrov was not really missing anything throughout the course of the match. But it's tough to win when you face, uh, it's, or when you end up getting zero breakpoint chances. And that was really the story for me. It just seemed like Dimitrov was fully able, by the way, uh, apparently the stats were incorrect that I was looking at. Dimitrov did win 55% of his second serve points. Still impressive. Dim uh, Jari only won 40. So that was really the story of the match once again, where Dimitrov won 90% of the first serve points and 55% of the second serve points. So he was dominant 
And that was really the story of it. But Jari didn't play badly. He just ran into an absolute buzzsaw and lost at a competitive two sets. Now, as for the second match, Rublev ended up burying Umber 6-2, 6-3. Ended up really just laying it on him. It seemed like Rublev had this match circled because he wanted revenge after what happened about a week ago. And once again, he curb stomped Umber. So to go through the actual stats here, the real story was the inability to defend the serve for Umber. Umber only landed 56% of the first serves, but his first serve win percentage wasn't even that good because he only won 53% of the first serve points and he only won 45% of the second serve points. So Rublev was all over him returning-wise, and it just felt like Umber was legitimately on the back foot every single time he was serving, and every service game that he won was a grind where Rublev had a much easier go of it winning the actual serve points. He won 72% of the first serve points, won 63% of the second serve points, so he did a much better job at defending a serve than Umber did, but it just seemed like Rublev was fundamentally solid, and he was also aggressive, and Umber, after having the best match of his career against Wolf in the previous round, really just came back down to earth, and it just felt like Rublev was once again dictating all the points, and he ended up winning uh, pretty uh, straightforward. So either way, not much more to add there. I think it is time to move into the actual previews for the semifinals. Trying to think if there is a news story that I should be talking about with regard to tennis. I can't really think of one. I don't think there's a news story that I'm missing, but let me just quickly see if there is anything. Not that I recall. No, I don't see anything. So either way, time to actually move on into the semifinal preview. So starting off with the first match, which is going to be a matchup involving an American. You have the matchup at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time between Hercatch and Korda. And for this match, Korda is a slight favorite of around minus 115. Hercatch is minus 105. As for the over-under, you can find that at 24.5 uh, at minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under. However, you can get 23.5 at minus 125. So you're paying 10 cents for an extra game. Uh, but you're looking at the under at minus 105. For the game spread, basically even Korda is minus 105 for minus half a game. Her catch is plus a half at minus 115. And if you want to go for the actual set wagering here, over two and a half sets is plus 115. Under is minus 145. And if you don't want to take Korda to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 220. Her catch to win in, in straight sets is plus 240. So to go through the head-to-head -head for their careers, it's been competitive, and they have not exactly had a big sample size, but they did face off in the round of 16 in the Australian Open, which Korda won via Super Breaker in the fifth set. Now, if you want to divide that into a two out of three set match, Korda did win in two out of three before losing the fourth set, 6-1. But Korda lost the first set, then won the next two sets, 6-3, 6-2, then lost the fourth set in a route, and then ended up once again winning in a super breaker in the fifth set. They faced off in the Delray final back in 2021, and Hercatch won 6-3, 6-3. So 2021 is pretty dated, so I don't want to really fully toss it out, but I definitely view it with less significance than the Australian Open matchup. But Korda is simply put a very solid player for the sake of these courts in Shanghai. It's a slow overall pace, which has benefited Korda because he is a good rallier. And his serve can be good when it's on, but the second serve isn't great. But the point is with other opponents really struggling to hit the ball past him, Korda has been able to position himself comfortably behind the baseline and just play. Simply put, he's been a wall back there. 
and he has looked very sharp so far in this event. To go through the actual path of both players, Korda has only dropped one set, ended up beating a relative unknown in the first round, then beat Medvedev in straight sets, beat Sarundalo in straight sets, and beat Shelton in three. You're looking at her catches, matches. It's a pretty similar story. Had a pretty easy go of it early on, beat Kokonakis and Hsu, and then and those were in straight sets, and then ended up having some wars against Zhang, which was a three-set tiebreaker in the final set. Then he ended up beating Morozin after losing the first set and winning in three. So the point is both guys have been a bit more vulnerable lately, but Korda, I do think, has been sharper. And the fact that her catch's serve has not been dominating in this tournament as much as it has in others because of the slow overall pace, I think it benefits Korda. I think Korda's going to play better on the slower courts here, and I do trust Korda more in longer rallies. Herkatch did a good job against Morozin in some of those longer rallies in the third set, but I do think looking at this overall matchup, Korda is tall, he's lengthy, he can get a racket on a decent amount of these first serves from Herkatch, and I do think he'll be able to jump on the second serves of Herkatch because Korda is a very solid returner. I think minus 115 makes sense, but I do think it's a little bit cheap. I think Korda should be closer to minus 130, in my opinion. I think that these courts, once again, benefits Korda-style play more than they benefit her catches. I think Korda's going to win. I think it might go to three, but I do think that Korda gets the job done. And Korda has also been pretty good in tiebreakers. We saw Korda win the finals at tiebreaker against Shelton. He won the tiebreaker against Sarundalo, won the tiebreaker against Medvedev. So he is three and one and tiebreaker so far in this event. As for her catch, he has also been 3-0. Well, Korda's 3-1. He's 3-0. So her catch has been a bit of a tiebreaker specialist throughout the course of the year. But I do think, once again, with Korda's ability to return with a lot of precision and a lot of purpose, I think he'll be able to get the job done. He might struggle closing it out because we know Korda can be a choker at times. But I do think he's the better player, and I do think he's pretty alive to... Once again, winning straight sets, actually, but I think it probably goes three. If you want to take a flyer on quarter straight sets at plus 220, I don't mind it. But I do think looking at this actual matchup, I think Korda is better equipped to handle the courts here, and I will pick him to win a very competitive and very fun semifinal match. And moving on to the other semifinal, you have a matchup between two best friends, Rublev and Dimitrov. Rublev is a pretty decent favorite here at minus 165, where Dimitrov is plus 145 the other way. As for the spread, you have Rublev minus 2 at minus 110, and Dimitrov plus 2 at minus 110 as well. The over-under for games is 22.5. The over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. As for the actual set wagering, Rublev minus 1.5 sets is plus 160, and Dimitrov plus 1.5 sets is plus is a minus 190. If you want to take the over 2.5 sets, you can find that at plus 125. Now, for the sake of the head-to-head, it has been competitive because both players have won three out of the six. So it is tied 3-3 in the head-to-head, and you're looking at the recent meetings. Kind of weird, though, because even though it has been very competitive with regard to wins and losses, each individual match has actually been kind of one-sided because they had a four-setter in the Australian Open. That's the only match that has actually involved each player winning a set. So five of the six have ended in straight sets. So they faced off in Vienna, which in 2022, which Dimitrov won 6-3, 6-4. They faced off in Indian Wells, which Rublev won 7-5, 6-2. That was also in 2021. Then you're getting to the dated matchups. You have one 2019 matchup in Beijing. Rublev did win 6-2, 7-5. Faced off in Rotterdam in 2018, Dimitrov won 6-3, 6-4. Australian Open 2018. 
Dimitrov won in four. And 2017 U.S. Open, you saw Rublev beat Dimitrov in straight sets. So it's kind of an interesting match because you can make an argument it's a coin flip because both guys have been very good so far in this venue and the head-to-head does suggest it's going to end in straight sets one way or another. I'm not sure who's going to win. But I do think looking at this overall matchup, it should be a pretty competitive battle because Rublev has not dropped the set so far in this event. Beat Hellas in straight sets, beat Manorino in straight sets, beat Paul 7-5-7-5, and ended up beating Umber 6-2-6-3. Dimitrov, though, has only dropped one set, and it was against Alcaraz, which is the most excusable set to lose imaginable. But he beat uh, Vukic in straight sets, beat Kashanov in straight sets, should have been Alcaraz in straight sets, but he choked away the first set and then ended up rallying to win in three and then beat Jari in straight sets as well. So I think Rublev should be the favorite because he is the more consistent top 10 level player while Dimitrov's top 20. 165, though, does feel a little bit steep. I think he should be closer to minus 140. He should be a favorite, but Dimitrov has been playing some great tennis. And I think you can make an argument the value is on Dimitrov at plus 145. Having said that, I do think that there's value on the over two and a half sets. I know it goes against the grain, but I do think both players have been playing some of their best tennis of the last couple of months. And I do think that it's a great spot to see each player showcase some quality shot making, each player showcasing some aggression. Dimitrov may be coming to the net more than most people anticipate, but I do think you're looking at what should be a fun match and a long match. I am going to go with the over two and a half sets of plus 125, despite the actual head-to-head suggesting otherwise, because I do think this match is, I don't want to say a coin flip, but I think it's pretty close to it. I give Rublev a 53% chance of winning, and I'll give Dimitrov 47%, but I think because of that, you're expecting what should be a pretty close back-and-forth match. Give me the over two and a half sets of plus 125, and I will lean to Dimitrov Moneyline at the pretty solid price of plus 145. That's going to wrap it up for the actual uh, previews of the semifinal matches in Shanghai. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks, but for getting any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog has just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five in Pick'em Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100x payout. And for a limited time, Underdog is extending the first deposit bonus up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, 10 lucky players will win $10,000 each. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're brought to you by Manscaped, who have taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you a smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code SGP for 20% off plus free shipping. It may be spooky season, but you don't want to scare people with a scraggly beard. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Are you tired of a bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie? With the Handyman skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. And on top of that, they also have the Beard Hedger, which is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SGP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SGP. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped.
already knocked out of your NFL Survivor Pool, don't worry about it because we got you covered with the SGP and Second Chance Survivor Contest. Presented by Corey Pinkston and Barking Dog Properties, $3,000 up for grabs. Winner takes all. Starts NFL Week 7. To sign up now at sportscampodcast.com slash survivor. Sportscampodcast.com slash survivor. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 members researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Shanghai. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks. Starting off with the Lock, I am going to go back to the first match we talked about, which was between Korda and her catch. Give me Korda on the money line at minus 115. Simply put, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I think her catch is a good player, but I think his his actual style of play, which focuses on a serve-dominant play style, is not going to translate that well against Korda on the slow courts here in Shanghai. It's worked for her catch so far, in this event, but I want to actually read off once again who her catch has played so far in this event because you can make an argument that his level of competition has been very, very weak. So he ended up beating Kokonakis, who is a pretty decent hardcore player, beat Sue, which who is once again a pretty decent hardcore player, not as good as Kokonakis, but still two guys who are, I think, outside the top 50. I got to look up what uh, Kokonakis' his, uh, ranking is. He's 69th, so two guys outside the top 60. Then he faced off against Zhang. Now, that's not an easy match because Zhang's been good this year, and he was in his home country of China, but that's another relatively underwhelming guy in terms of ATP ranking, and then he beat Morozin, who was a Cinderella story. So, Herkaj really hasn't played anybody inside the top 30 or 40 in this event so far. So I do think, once again, he's had a good path, but he has been fortunate of having a pretty weak level of competition, where Korda has had a couple of tough players in his overall path, and he's passed the flying colors, beat Medvedev, who's a top-five player in the world, beat Sarandu, who's been good this year, and beat Shelton, who made the U.S. Open semifinals. So Shelton's a good hardcore player, was in good form, and Korda beat him. But beat Medvedev as well, I think Korda is in better form, and I do think his level of play, once again, translates better to the courts here. But Herkaj really hasn't played anybody worth a damn in this event. And I do think that should str- result in him struggling in this step up in competition. Give me Korda on the money line at minus 115 because of it. And for the dog, I am going to go back to the Rublev and Dimitrov match. I think I have to do it. I got to go with the over two and a half sets here. I know it goes against the head-to-head tendencies, but I really see a competitive battle here where both guys are playing some really good attacking tennis in this event. And I think you're going to see some ebbs and flows because of it. I could be wrong either way where Dimitrov or Rublev dominated winning straight sets, but I think you're going to see it balance out. And I think you're going to see each player have some highs and lows in their individual games, which should result in a marathon match 
Give me the over two and a half sets of plus 125 as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on quarter money line at minus 115. And my dog will be Rublev and Dimitrov over two and a half sets of plus 125. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts at the network. Find me on the NBA show, MLB show, NFL show, WNBA show. You get the point. We'll be back once again for the final in Shanghai before transitioning over into some other events taking place over the next week. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.